Welcome to OhiCast, where we pull back the curtain to take a sneak peek at the upcoming 76th Ojai Music Festival, taking place June 9th to 12th in the beautiful Ojai Valley, California. All are welcome here, from newcomers to longtime music fans. In-depth insights and special guests will help introduce this year's programming and whet your musical appetites for what's to come. I'm your host, Emily Praetorius, and this is OhiCast. Welcome to the second episode of OhiCast, where we'll be looking into the second day of this year's Ojai Music Festival. From early morning sunrise to evening sunset, Friday's programming is going to be a whirlwind of kinetic energy. We've got structured improvisations, powerful Julius Eastman interpretations, some intertwined dance collaborations, and three world premiere productions. Special guests today will be flutist Emmy Ferguson and composer Anthony Chung, who will help give us some insight into Friday's programming. The first concert will be an 8 a.m. early morning concert at Zalk Theater up at Besant Hill School. For those who have never attended one of these early morning concerts before, you are in for a real treat. These 8 a.m. concerts have been some of the most magical concerts in recent festival history. Just imagine starting your day at 8 in the morning with the intimate presence of live music surrounded by the beautiful hills and mountains of the Ojai Valley. The concert will feature Amok as well as the Baroque Ensemble Ruckus, a close collaborator of Amok, which we'll hear more about in the next Ojai cast episode. Amok and Ruckus will play works by music icons George Lewis and Roscoe Mitchell. All of the works that will be performed were written as structured improvisations. This means that there's a general outline with directions to follow and that the specific music or sounds are improvised based on those directions and also on what the musicians are hearing themselves. I had a chance to chat with Emmy Ferguson, the flute player of Amok and frequent collaborator with Ruckus. We spoke a bit about the magic of these early morning concerts and also about the new Roscoe Mitchell piece, 440 Oakwood Drive, that will be played that morning. Emmy, um, you're going to be kicking off this uh, Friday morning with these uh, George Lewis and uh, Roscoe Mitchell improvisatory, structured improvisatory pieces. Um, and this is kind of a special collaboration in the works, right, with the Roscoe Mitchell piece? Yeah, um, it's really exciting. And um, I had the the treat of doing the 8 a.m. concert at Ojai last year. And it was something that I was like, hmm what 8am but it was really such an amazing experience and i'm so grateful um to ohi for for making that happen um because we don't often get that opportunity to sit and focus and sort of wake up our full beings as as musicians but also as audience members and listeners um you know right at the beginning of the day and it's incredibly special um, incredibly special and a very much so a treat as a performer to get to start someone's sonic palette beginning of the day. Um, I think I've heard people talk about how Ojai is this incredible experience because as you go throughout the day, you get to the get to the evening concert and it's like, whoa, I am saturated with so many interesting sounds, um, so many incredible pieces, performances. Um, but that starts at the sort of dawn concert, the 8 a.m. And I can't think of a, of a more personal, um, meaningful way to do that than to start with these two pieces by, you know, legends, George Lewis and Roscoe Mitchell, who have been so integral to each other for such a long part of their careers and have been so welcoming and um, encouraging of 
all of us as we get to explore their music, which, as you said, has its basis in listening and in responding to each other. And doing that at 8 a.m., it's this like beautiful meditative space to be in, to be really present with each other, which I think sometimes we're all so busy. We're moving through crazy schedules and crazy travel and different places, but being um, getting to play these pieces requires that uh, just a different level of, of presence and receptiveness to the unknown. Yes. Oh, so well, so well put. Uh, and I think especially for most of us that start our mornings staring at our phones, <laughs> this is going to be unbelievably refreshing. And like you said, sort of pre the, have being so present and centering just to start your day that way. Yeah. And hopefully also a wonderful way to, to lead um, all of us in the trajectory of the day, which of course gives us, you know, the pathway towards Anthony's incredible premiere of this. Yes. Year. Yes. Uh, yes. So it's, it's, it's a lot of responsibility, for us, but um, uh, really uh, one that I think we're incredibly honored to, to share. Oh, amazing. And uh, am I correct in that you're going to play cards that are part of the piece of 440 um, Oakwood Drive? Is this correct? It's not the entire piece. Um, so uh, Amok, as uh, part of this incredible commission of a new opera by George Lewis called The Comet that will be paired with Monteverdi's Papea. And this was scheduled to be premiered um, during the pandemic before before the pandemic um so has been sort of postponed and but as part of that we all really wanted to get to know George's work so in preparation for working with George on the comet a lot of us in Amok got together um spearheaded by Kirko Gwilt one of our violinists who suggested that we all come together over Zoom during the pandemic to read George's incredible history of the formation of the AACM, A Power Stronger Than Itself. And this book is, I mean, I just kind of like went right into it. I had been introduced to a lot of these composers in high school, but I didn't at that point have the right pathways of my musical learning to really understand all of the nuances of what they were doing. So coming back to it, we're reading all these names um, and, and hearing their speech in, in the book, because George does this incredible job of bringing every single character to life. And um, as we're reading it, I'm saying, I want to get to know the music of all the people whose personalities I'm getting to know through George's writing. And one of those was Roscoe Mitchell. And so I'm Googling Roscoe Mitchell, you know, thinking about like, how do I start listening to his music? And the first picture that pops up is Roscoe Mitchell, sunglasses, holding a Baroque flute. And um, so I, for, for those uh, people at Ojai, I play the flute, I play modern flute, I play Baroque flutes, I love playing new music on old flutes and old music on new flutes. I mean, whatever. I'll, I'll do it all. Um, but it is rare to find people who play the Baroque flute because it's not as um, 
as widely used as today <laughs> as a modern flute, but it's even crazier to find composers who play the Baroque flute. I mean, this was like this unicorn that mm-hmm. I had just didn't think existed. And here, you know, Roscoe Mitchell was in front of me holding the Baroque flute. And I do some research and learn that for Roscoe, you know, there's so much for him, like this melding of, um, you know, Bach, Handel, he plays a lot of recorders, a lot of early music, and has used those instruments in his work since, you know, the 90s. And so there's this incredible, rich, uh, you know, recordings, videos that I can access to sort of see him using these instruments that I often get asked by composers, um, you know, how do we how do we write for them? And here is somebody who knows the yeah. wild world. These instruments are, are very different mm. to their wild counterparts. And so I um, was like a little bit starstruck and um, excited. And I said, I, I want to I want to get in touch with, with, with Roscoe Mitchell, but who am I to email, you know, this, this, this legend, you know, 80 years old has been a pioneer and sort of all sorts of different kinds of music for a long time. And I'm just, I'm, I'm a play the flute. Like I'm sure he gets fan mail all the time. So um, I wrote to Roscoe and got a response very quickly, which I was totally just so excited about. And he said, yes, we should absolutely try to find something to do together. Um, and I was really excited about trying to find a Baroque ensemble who might um, be interested in commissioning him to write a piece because I don't think he'd ever done that before. Um, and uh, I mean, here's someone who knows how they work. So yeah, um, the dream, <laughs> the dream, the dream. And, and um, uh, we, we sort of like, we're looking at various different things and um in tandem with that, I was working with a New York-based group called the Metropolis Ensemble, led by Andrew Sear. And he had brought together uh, uh, three people, me, um, Emmanuel Wilkins, who's a saxophone player, and my colleague and, and sort of partner in crime, uh, Clay Zeller-Townsend, who runs Ruckus, who will also be at Ojai. And he had brought us together to dream up um, a festival where we all came together to explore the intersection of the music of Charlie Parker and J.S. Bach. And um, and sort of like, what what do those worlds bring together? Yes, yes, yes. And um, part of that, they knew that they wanted to commission something from someone, but they didn't know who. And Clay was like, you need to have Roscoe do this thing. (laughs) Yes. Um, And so luckily Andrew and Metropolis were so on board and Emmanuel was like, yes. Oh my God. Roscoe is like one of my, one of my, you know, the icons in in my life. And uh, so Metropolis commissioned this piece that involves Emmanuel Wilkins quartet, Ruckus and me. And part of it was that it had to be not only be able to be played together, but also for the two groups to be able to play it separately or together. And so Roscoe created this piece that is in three movements, one movement that is ruckus with me on Baroque instruments, one movement that is Emmanuel's quartet on modern jazz instruments, and then one movement where we're all together, 415, mm. 440, going you know crazy. And there's a part in it where he has these cards 
And the cards are Roscoe's um, invitation to people to join him in his improvisatory language. And um, I feel terrible. I don't have them right here with me. Otherwise, I would show you. Oh, yeah, that's okay. Cards that fan out. And I have six of them. And I can, they have Roscoe's language written out um, in musical notation. And you can you know, overlay them in different ways, shuffle them in different ways. And you can also apply different clefts if you want. And the fun thing about these is also that they can be played as a solo piece or they can be played in any combination of the nine instrumentalists who each have their own card um, from Ruckus, me and Emmanuel's quartet. So what, long story short, um, what you will be hearing um, in the excerpt from this larger piece, which has yet to have its premiere, um, is the cards for um, that are the, the flute cards, the Baroque bassoon cards, the electric piano cards, um, which is it's doubled with a harpsichord, <laughs> and viola da gamba cards. It's a really interesting um, sound world and will be a really, hopefully, an, an interesting commentary um, and, and also juxtaposition with George Lewis's piece, Artificial Life, which many of us in Amok really got to know um, last in March of 2021, where we convened to do a bubble workshop with the Guggenheim Works in Process program um, in upstate New York. And George was on Zoom and we were in person and we were playing with this whole um, idea of sort of like what he builds into it, which is just this listening to each other, responding to each other, um, but always thinking about it in relation to Baroque music because of uh, we were sort of thinking about this as it relates to the Monteverdi Papea and the Comet mm -hmm. Opera's collaboration. Wow, I think this is going to be such an amazing opening to this day, um, and it like it, it the word that comes to mind is going to be so fresh. Each time that we get to play these pieces, they're slightly different. You know, whether what's happening that day, what we're feeling, um, and what's so beautiful about doing it at um, Zalk Theater, of course, is hearing those birds in the morning as they're sort of waking up and watching the mist. Yeah, at least last year, I got to watch the mist kind of roll off the hills as the sun rose. Um, and all of those things, like, these pieces, you know, you can, you can pull on that and that'll inspire it as we play with not only each other, but with the nature, with the space and even with the audience. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's going to be so special. Yeah. Thank you for, thank you for that great introduction. That was flutist Emmy Ferguson sharing with us some background on Friday's early morning concert at 8 a.m. The following concert that day will be an 11 a.m. program at Libby Bowl of exclusively Julius Eastman works. This concert will serve as one of the centerpieces for the festival as the new music world continues to revive the extraordinary life and works of the wrongfully forgotten Julius Eastman. Listening to Eastman music is always an extremely powerful experience for me personally, no matter what character the piece takes on. Take, for example, the visceral urgency of his piece, Gay Gorilla, in comparison to the ecstatic playfulness of Stay On It. Both are just as forceful in their dynamism, despite embodying opposite moods. Here are two clips from those pieces, Gay Gorilla and Stay On It, played back to back. 
That was excerpts from Eastman's pieces Gay Gorilla and Stay On It, both of which will be played on Friday's 11 a.m. concert. There will be a total of five Eastman pieces on this program, and four of those five pieces will actually be played in other concerts scattered about the entire festival. The open instrumentation and modular nature of many of Eastman's scores allows each performance of these pieces to be uniquely different. These repeat performances will not only provide differing experiences of each piece, but will also serve as threads throughout the festival, connecting us back to the power and brilliance of Julius Eastman. For a more in-depth discussion about the history of Eastman and the efforts to perform and recover his erased legacy, please check out the Ojai Virtual Talk linked in the show notes below. The second half of Friday will include three world premieres, the first of which being a new collaborative dance theater work by dancer and choreographer Bobby Jean Smith. This dance piece will be at 2.30 p.m. in the Greenberg Center at Ojai Valley School and will also be performed on Sunday afternoon at the same time and place. This is a work that's an adaptation of her most recent film, Broken Theater, and explores the themes of power, love, and trust through the beautiful music of Schubert, Bach, Connie Converse, and Pete Seeger. It sounds like it's going to be a surprising and moving premiere. Later that afternoon, we'll see the world premiere of the Ojai Festival Commission, The Echoing of Tenses, a song cycle by composer Anthony Chung for tenor, violin, and piano. That will be on the 5 p.m. concert at Libby Bowl, and it will be a rich, sonic exploration of family bonds and histories through the weavings of Asian American poetry. Here to talk about this new piece is Anthony Chung himself. So, Anthony, you will be uh, at the end of this day, um, after we've had this amazing opening um, to the day, and will kind of lead us into... uh, Emmy, as you said, this continuing this feeling of community and coming together. Um, uh, and Anthony, you'll be having your uh, Ojai Music Festival Commission premiere. Um, please uh, tell us a bit about this. Yeah, so um, the piece is called The Echoing of Tenses, which is a line from the poet Jenny Shia, who's a New York-based poet, and uh, one of the seven poets who, uh, who's represented in this Song cycle. I, I say song cycle with air quotes um, because it it is uh, not a conventional song cycle in the sense that everything is sung, uh, but it really is a piece involving multiple parts of texts um, in various configurations, whether they're sung or spoken, or pre-recorded spoken or recited on stage. And that was one of the really exciting things that um, I was uh, privileged to to have this um, this format with with this piece uh, because you all at Amok were, were so open to um, having me and uh, you know dream up something that was that was unconventional and uh, so it came about because um, the violinist Miranda Cookson who's been a um, longtime friend and supporter of my work uh, approached me a few years ago saying, you know, would you be interested in possibly collaborating on something large scale with, with the muck? And it took me about a year to really think of anything. I was like, had a million ideas, (laughs) um, lots of starts and stops. Um, and in the end, I just was looking to, but from the very beginning, she was thinking about something involving herself, but also, um, voice. And so I was naturally drawn to looking at a lot of texts and poems. And um, 
I started kind of honing in on a group of poets um, whose work really appealed to me. And they happen to be Asian American. Um, and they also, and their work, and they were all living. Um, and their, their work was thematically interrelated as well. Um, there was a lot of uh, shared concern for intergenerational um, responses to memory, to um, intergenerational trauma, um, to speaking to relatives, both living and deceased, um, creating dialogues between them. Uh, and so even though individually their voices are quite different and in their aesthetics and approaches and everything, and generationally they span poets, you know, who are at, at the youngest, about my age or even younger, going to um, kind of like uh, poets in their 70s. Uh, Arthur Z is 71 and um, he's actually going to be with us at the festival reciting on stage. Um, he's one of two poets who will be reading live. Um, the other is Victoria Chang, who's an incredible voice, LA-based poet. And so um, it all kind of clicked in some way, you know, when you're, when you're not searching for anything in particular, sometimes these things, the constellations just align. Yes. And <laughs> yes. Uh, I was very fortunate, but it took about, it took over a year to find this particular theme and this thread. Um, and I've been incredibly um, moved by the responses of, of Amok and, and the poets uh, to make this all happen, you know, giving permissions, um, finding ways to uh, to involve them, whether live or pre-recorded. Um, but uh, yeah, this this song cycle will will involve um, uh, Miranda on violin and Paul Appleby, uh, the beautiful lyric tenor whose voice I really had in mind in selecting some of these poems um, mm. as this, um, this really uh, lyrical and refined uh, tenor. And, you know, in, in thinking about some of the poems, um, especially the ones by uh, Arthur Z, the one that closes out the cycle called Transfigurations, I couldn't imagine a, a singer more suited to bringing that text alive. Uh, and also there's a, there's a poem by Leung Lee, another one of the elder statesmen, I guess you could say, uh, among this group of poets uh, who um, called The Gift, which is also a poem about his relationship with his father that I think seems really appropriate for, for Paul's voice. Um, so, so yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a cycle that it involves seven poets and nine, I guess, actual settings and then five interludes. So um, overall, it's going to be about 45 minutes in length. And um, I'm playing the piano slash keyboard part. Uh, yeah, which uh, is extra pressure for me, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's It's been a lot of fun. I have this set up right now. So I'm actually on sabbatical from teaching uh, at Brown. But because of this project, I go into my office every day and kind of pretend that I'm not there. <laughs> and um, in my office, I have this setup of an acoustic grand piano and also um, 
uh, a keyboard that sits on top of it. And uh, with the keyboard, I'm interacting with various tuning systems, um, which is uh, you know something that I've always wanted to explore in in more depth. I've done it over the years in more limited ways. Um, but now with this setup, um, there's kind of easy access to free tunings and preset tunings. Um, and so the keyboard part consists of a lot of, um, of, of different kinds of tunings together at the same time. Um, so that you have the fixed piano tuning and then things like um, Harry Parch's 43 tone tuning system um, that kind of approximates the contour of voice. Um, you know, it's very thin slices of intervals. Uh, and then you also have um, things that are more almost complementary to the, the 12 tone equal tempered tuning of the piano, but it's not quite, you know, that's a little bit off. Um, and so that creates this kind of microtonal cloud of resonance that um, I think helps to uh, accentuate the, the 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 kind of ambiguity um, in in the in the text themselves. Or yeah. At least that's the hope. Yeah, and there's also I, I imagine it's also fitting in with um, the layer of that you'll be having some sound pre-recorded sound design with the text as well. Is this correct? Yeah, that's the other thing I wanted to mention, yeah. which is um, uh, I've been working with David Bird who is a incredible composer in his own right. And, um, and I sought him out because I, I so appreciate his ears and, um, you know, everything that he does with his, with his own work, uh, to collaborate on this. Uh, so, you know, in, in writing this piece, I've been thinking a lot about, um, the ways in which sound design and pre-recorded sound can, um, intersect and complement with the live sounds, and um, especially where uh, there are kind of moments of, of, of magnification in, in the text themselves that, that could use, um, you know, some extra emphasis or, or just ways of, of uh, dialoguing with, with the um, live instruments. And so, yeah, so I'm, that's all still coming together. And, uh, but I'm so, I'm so excited about how that will create other layers to, you know, this, it's already, you know, quite multidimensional um, interactions between text and, uh, and instruments and voice. And then you have all of this other stuff as well. Yes. I think uh, the word multidimensional sounds like it's hitting it on the head there. Uh, you really, you really are creating this huge world that the audience is going to come into and see from different angles. It seems like. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I, I think also it's so special that you're also going to be playing in it. Yeah, that was so. That was not actually the uh, um, original. Uh, the original idea was to have Connor Hannock, um, a Max wonderful pianist, um, to give the premiere. And um, Connor is uh, absolutely overwhelmed with with things to do. And <laughs> oh, I think he's like in every as project. you all are. <laughs> Um, and he will be playing this, uh, on future occasions. Um, so, you know, he was there at some of the rehearsal earlier rehearsals observing, and I can't wait to hear what he does with this. Um, uh, but we kind of came to a decision early on that maybe it'd be best if I 
if I tackle the premiere and uh, <laughs> just extra, extra pressure on me, but, um, but I'm excited to be up there and, you know, it, it'll be, it'll be different each time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, we are really looking forward to it. It sounds like it's going to be very, a powerful piece and a powerful experience. Thank you. Thank you. For a longer conversation with Anthony about this fascinating new piece, check out the Ojai Virtual Talk with him and violinist Miranda Cuxin, linked in the show notes below. This multidimensional and collage-like world of connections and echoing of tenses will be the perfect entry point to Friday's final concert. This 8 p.m. Libby Bull concert will be a world premiere production of Messian's beautifully epic song cycle, Harawi. Originally for voice and piano, Amok members have created a dazzling new version with dancers interwoven into the piece itself. Harawi is one of Messian's Tristan trilogy pieces that explores the intersection of love and death. Inspired by Peruvian legends and folk songs, the cycle poetically traces the story of two lovers uniting, dying, and reuniting in the afterlife, all through Messian's own surrealist poetry. This hour-long cycle is truly a cosmic journey. It traverses the human depths of rapture, suffering, and transcendence. Here's a sneak peek of three of the movements from this 12-movement cycle. In order, you're about to hear excerpts from movements 2, 6, and 10. Oh, 
Wow. I can't think of a better way to finish off our Friday than experiencing that beneath the stars at Libby Bowl. If you're looking for a deeper dive into the history of this work and to hear all about the conception and evolution of Amok's premiere production, check out the Harawi Ohai virtual talk that's linked in the show notes below. From the early morning improvisation concert through to Amok's production of Harawi, Friday is going to be a substantially meaningful reflection on the humanness of interactions, connections, and shared experiences. All this and more through the power of music and dance. That's going to be Friday, June 10th at the Ojai Music Festival. Can't wait to see you there. Thank you for listening to OhiCast, the podcast that takes a sneak peek at the year's Ojai Music Festival. For more information, you can visit ohaifestival.org and you can follow us on social media at at ohaifestivals. This podcast was written and produced by Emily Praetorius with audio engineer Louis Ng. What are you most excited for about uh, this season at the Ojai Music Festival? Of course, your premiere, of course, the pieces you're playing. I'm just excited to take it all in. I mean, the programming is so varied and um, there's just so much to look forward to. And uh, I'm going to be there with my family and my kid and, um, you know, we're going to have a good time, but it's just going to be so nice to be outdoors and basking in the in the beauty of, of the region and and then sharing in this communal experience together. I am really excited to get to chat with the audience again. Um, I love their last year and really hearing what things resonated with people, what didn't, what challenged them. Um, it's such a wonderful audience that have such a storied history with the festival and to eat some oranges. Oh, yes. <laughs> you got to eat the oranges. <laughs> get those tangerines. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing.